Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I am your host, Special, and on this show, I like to do one of two things. Either I'm delivering you brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with artists to break down their latest music, and that's what we're doing on this episode. Diabel joined me to break down her single, Woodrow Ave, as well as the song Relationship Goals on John Hart's album, and her latest Zia mix called Stacey Adams, which is a Snoop cover. Plus, we also talk a lot about her journey, including finding freedom in being comfortable with her appearance and you know we had to talk about her upcoming album so let's get into it hello everybody my name is Zia Bell Zia Bell is here how you doing good I'm so <laughs> excited to talk to you it's been a beautiful journey yeah. now you're in LA when did you move to LA and how did that come about what was that decision like um I moved to LA November of 2016 and the decision was something I always planned on making. The timing of it was just up in the air. But around 2015, I just decided, you know what, let's take this year and let's see how much we can accomplish. Being from Vallejo, but residing in Sacramento, I felt like I was able to get more done musically in Sacramento because there aren't many venues in Vallejo. There weren't really many outlets for artists in Vallejo. So I didn't really know how to channel back there. And so I decided I'm going to try to see what I can accomplish here. And once I accomplish that, then I'll go ahead and move forward to L.A. And my whole goal was just trying to see if I could make a buzz in a city where I wasn't from. And once I felt like I did that in Sacramento, I was just like, well, it's time to go. <laughs> it was after my birthday. I just was like, there's nothing for me here anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was already month to month in my apartment. So I put in my 30 day notice, packed up my car and drove down here in November of 2016. I love the power in that statement. There's nothing more for me here. Yeah. It's so, so powerful because I think a lot of people don't even take the time to even realize that. And I think we get so caught up in being workhorses and just go, go, go that mm -hmm. it's like, take the time to lift your head up from all this work you're doing and go, okay, where am I at? Am I ready for the next thing? Oh yeah, I am. Right. Sweet. I'm such a fan of people moving to what they deserve. And yeah. it's like, you deserve to be here. Thank and you. No problem. <laughs> and I'm so excited to talk about all the music that you've made in the past year because moving to LA has just exceeded your talent and just everything that you're able to accomplish. So yeah. I want to get started sure. with Woodrow Ave. Vallejo had to take it back to Woodrow Ave. Yeah. You know, I love this song. The Brandy interpolation is so dope to me because we're all kids of the 90s. We yeah. love Brandy. We love that song. But for you to really put your own spin on it, sometimes you hear interpolations and it's like, mm, mm -hmm. you didn't add anything to it. Like, right. you right. just jacked the whole lot. It's like, okay, cool. But you really put your own spin on it. What was that like? And how did that idea come to be? The experience was amazing. There was a day, um, I think it was like a random like Tuesday or Wednesday, me and the producer of the track, C. Watts, 
we were just kind of over the typical day-to-day that we were having, which was wake up, go to work, and come home and make time for music when we felt inspired. Because at that point, I personally was really lacking inspiration because I was just so into my day-to-day of working full-time and paying bills and trying to get to some form of stability and adulting, I guess you could say. And so randomly one day, I called into work. I was over it. Um, We drove out to his mom's house and then he like caught a flat or his his car battery died. So we had to call AAA. So then he was going to be late to work. And then he's just like, I'm just going to call in, too. So we're like, well, let's just record. So we went to his mom's house. And for him, that was like a. A kind of sentimental thing for him because when he started doing music, he would record like literally in his mom's living room with all his friends and stuff. So he was like, well, let's just do what I used to do. Let's just record in my mom's living room. And I'm like, okay. And because of the day just felt like it was like special. I don't know, in a weird way, I just started filming on my phone, which is like a part of the music video. And the process that came about was just like our normal process, him either turning on a beat that he just made or an idea or him just starting a beat from scratch. And we started on something, it didn't really stick. Then we started something else. And um, I ended up asking, Asking him like I need help with this because I didn't really know what direction to go in but I knew I wanted to talk about what I was feeling and he pretty much came up with like the melody like for the hook and everything and then I'm like okay and he helped helped come up with some of the lyrics for the hook and often like when we work together we end up exchanging ideas and he'll help me lyrically and I'm just like oh I like where that's going and once he kind of like gave me that jump start, like the jump start that we got earlier. It was like, it just started to flow. And I just started talking about my childhood. And I don't know, it just developed from there. And then after that, we ended up adding more instrumentation. We brought in some of my homies from a band called Roswell Universe, brought in my homie Matt and Ben to add some live instrumentation to it. And Wood Drive was created. I felt like that was such a long ass answer, y'all. No, (laughs) I personally love the long answer. And I just love the way the day carried out. The full time job will burn you out. Hmm. I'm at such a place creatively where I understand that the full time job is part of it to a certain extent. And I do encourage people to have jobs because you do not want to struggle. Yeah, most definitely. You need something. Mm hmm. Yeah. But also when you have a, a certain vibe, follow yeah. that energy. Like, yep. I don't want to go in today. OK, cool. Like you've been working hard enough. You can take a day off to really create. Oh, for sure. And I think so many creatives really need to hear both sides of that. Sometimes you got to suck it up and get a job. And sometimes you got to call in sick and do what you want to do. Like mm-hmm. it's a very balanced thing that are both very important but i also love the collaboration of it all i think that collaboration is so important when it comes to producers and artists and writers and all this stuff you talk about your childhood and then that of course is because you lived on woodrow ave as a child yeah how did the title come to be really because when i was speaking in the song i was talking about things that i specifically remember doing growing up and those things were 
childhood memories that happened in that house on Woodrow Ave. And so it just felt like, well, why not? Like, of course, that's what I'm going to call it, because it was one of the most prominent places that I lived in. I mean, we moved maybe once from what I could remember when we were in Vallejo and after we moved from Vallejo, we moved to Sacramento. And after that, me and my mom moved quite a lot because we started to struggle a lot. And so that house on Woodrow kind of represented to me a more stable time in my life, a time where I was really a child because it felt like from there on out, once we moved, it was like I kind of had to grow up. I had to not really play outside as much and start you know, being a little bit more independent. And so just kind of like reflecting on that time where I was in my most childlike, ambitious state, that's what that street represented for me. So it was just, it was easy to name it that. That's a beautiful thing. I think kids who moved around a lot can definitely relate. So. Yeah, it's just <laughs> tough. Mm-hmm. I think we all have that one house where it was like, that's my child's house. And I hope everybody has one at least. Yeah, for sure. And then the music video. You mentioned how you felt the need to record during the process and kind of make videos for that and put that into the music video. And then you also went back to Vallejo, right? Yep. As far as the liquor store and walking around there. What was it like making that music video? It was dope. I mean, from the time that uh, I was recording the process, I didn't necessarily think I was making a music video because I didn't know uh, what was going to happen from that song. When I tell you me and C-Watts have so much music that it's like I can't tell which one is going to be the one that we put out. Like there's so so many songs that I have with him that we haven't put out yet. And that process was dope because it was like my first time kind of documenting something from scratch. Also, going back to Vallejo and going back to the street that I grew up on, for one, it was completely different. When I grew up there, it was more so families in the neighborhood. And now it's more so older, retired people that live there now. A lot of those houses have been bought and sold and the original owners or tenants are no longer there anymore. And so I didn't actually get to film near the house as as much as I wanted to (laughs) because once we literally got on the block you could tell that they were kind of like who the fuck are y'all because especially the person that owns the house that I used to live in is an older white couple and had the American flag plastered at the top of the house so I kind of already knew what it was And um, I was just like, oh, okay. So I told my brother, Natho, who shot the video, shout out to him. I was just like, I don't think we're going to get many shots in front of the house. Um, So we just kind of stayed on the street and stayed near the sign. But it was dope being in that area and thinking about how it was for me when I was a kid and kind of feeling that feeling of nostalgia. The significance of the liquor store was I'm the baby of the family. So I wasn't allowed to go many places by myself. But one of the places I was allowed to go to was to walk up to the corner store. So that was significant for me because I remember as a little girl being like saving my dollars or washing my mom car for five dollars and being like I'm about to go to the corner store and and get in a pickle and get in an Arizona iced tea uh, you know and those things felt nostalgic and even though the even the liquor store was different and like they don't got the pickles in a jar like they used to back in the day you got to get the individually wrapped pickles but back in the day you got them out the jar and they even sold like pickled eggs the hot eggs like all this stuff that's not the same anymore but it was dope just 
being there and although things have changed that feeling of nostalgia from when I was a little girl it was still very present and then we also shot on Mare Island too which was really dope it was the most comfortable I've ever felt in a music Mm. video ever and that meant a lot that meant a lot to me because most definitely a lot of my career has been me trying to get comfortable as an artist and that was my first time being on camera and not worrying like how does my makeup look how does my outfit look does this look good oh my god do I look fat right here did I look and it was my first time really being like I don't care Mm. and I think it showed in the video Mm. at least I would hope so because that's how I felt I just felt free Mm. so yeah. It's such a fun video. Like, you legit look like you guys are having so much we fun. We were. We were. <laughs> and even to hear, like, how there was a couple obstacles and how things weren't the same, for you guys to still pull off a super dope video and still catch the element and just the energy of mm-hmm. what was nostalgic to you is super dope. So props to you guys on Thank that. You. Because Thank you. Shout out to Nate, though. Yes. He, he can make something out of nothing. And we kind of went with the synopsis, but not really. It was just... He was like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't want it to be corny. Like, let's just capture dope moment. And he was able to do that and also incorporate the footage that I literally just shot on my phone. And I love how you mentioned being comfortable and not worrying about how you look. I remember when I saw you in Oakland last year on Instagram, it was either the day of or the next day. And you were talking about how this time at this show, you chose not to worry about what you looked like and just really went out there. You still looked incredible, Thank by you. the way. <laughs> but like, you kind of are shedding that layer of like oh I gotta look like this I gotta worry about these things kind of talk to us a little bit as much as you want to about that journey and how that's been because I think that that's so important as a woman it's been amazing this is the first time in my life where I don't look in the mirror and I don't harp over different parts of my body I definitely dealt with body dysmorphia for most of my life, I feel like as early as I can remember, it was always made aware to me that I was like the chunkier kid because all my siblings run track and they were very, very well known in the track and field in Vallejo, especially and in California with my sister being like one of the fastest people in California, I remember as a kid. So my siblings were always very fit and smaller. They all have a different dad from me. They have the same dad and I have a different dad. And so it was always like this thing that I felt even from a kid in my household of being different. So I always felt chunkier, went through puberty earlier. And I always remember trying to diet even seeing like my mom's diet pills and I'm like 10 years old and I'm trying to take her diet pill, totally doing it completely wrong. (laughs) Like just thinking like if I take these pills, like doing sit-ups in my room, like the summer to my freshman year because I didn't want to be fat my freshman year or switching schools my sophomore year and working out all summer to lose weight so I didn't have to feel like I was fat and then the fat new kid, you know, in high school. And, And when I look back, I'm like, yo, you were really, really tripping. And that's how you know it's body dysmorphia too is it's, I was definitely chunky to a point where when I went through puberty though I I completely like leaned out but in my mind it's like no Mm. you're thick like and I've always been like a thicker woman Mm. just period I'm five six always been built this way but it was not something that I accepted at all and that definitely carried over into my artistry Mm. 
to the point where when I would have shows, especially like the scent where I was performing a lot in Sacramento, for those who've been following my journey for a while, like I was in a band for a while that we had started called The Function and it would be Zia Bell and The Function and I would always perform with my homies, shout out to Roderick and Daniel, like shout out to everybody, Elwood. And I would be done up when I tell you makeup, 10, I would be styled, I would be in heels, and it was more so about putting on a performance. It was never about my enjoyment or my release at that time on stage. And while I think I probably put on a, a pretty good show, and it did help develop me as far as like stage presence, crowd control, and interaction, um, it wasn't authentic and it wasn't intimate. And as much as people would think moving to LA would make me superficial and made me more authentic. Like when I moved here, everybody was just like, be yourself. Don't get caught up in there. Like don't get caught up in the nightlife and the, I moved out here and met some of the realest people. I met C Watts. I met AJ Claire. I met Amon Europe. I met Thurs. I met Glass. I met P Black. I met all the, I met Willie B. I met Daylight. I met all these people you know, came out here, my best friend, Amber, all these people that are so real and amazing that I had no choice but to be authentic. And that just kind of intertwined with my personal life and it had no choice but to carry over into my music. And the turning point was my first performance in LA where I had on some uncomfortable ass heels. I tried to do the same thing that I normally did in Sacramento and I had on some uncomfortable ass heels and I had my Adidas slides with me and I'm like, oh my God, these heels hurt. And my homegirl AJ was like, take your shoes off. Like wear your slides on stage. That was unheard of in my mind. When you're talking to the girl that was performing in Sacramento and in the Bay Area, that's like, whoa what performing some adidas slides are you cereal <laughs> no but when she said that i was like you know what fuck it you know what all right and i did and i did a great job and i just tried to keep that going so thank you aj uh and i tried to keep that going because i was just like i don't ever want to be uncomfortable on stage ever again in my life because i don't deserve that i deserve to be having fun and to be fulfilled and to feel authentic when i'm on stage and i feel like it's made me a better artist and a better performer honestly since i've done that and that has been my entire journey with that right now being finally comfortable with who i am as a woman as an artist and being like this is what you gonna get <laughs> and that's it <laughs> seriously shout out to all those people because it's man it's my so whole I, I be feeling like whitney houston when she was doing the uh speech <laughs> like bietta matt ben like i got them all i can name them off like i've been blessed since i moved to la that my family it stretches beyond music where they're all very talented but my family of people that i have around me they've kept me and influenced me jessica jolia it's i mean big mike everybody far more than what they know and yeah it's been amazing <laughs> i know artists can relate to that but also just women in general like yeah. it's such a relatable story and such a gorgeous thing to make it to this place where you are comfortable and it's just all about self and then back to the music john hart released a song called relationship goals that you helped write they could stay mad because we're gonna keep blowing we don't pay them no attention we don't pay them no mind baby yeah, we gon' keep flexing all on the timeline, baby. 
Cause they don't wanna see you up when they feeling down When they feeling down Yeah, they don't wanna see you in when they feeling down When they feeling down But we gon' make them mad Yeah, we gon' make them mad Yeah, we gon' blow a bag Yeah, we gon' blow a bag What was that process like? So, that process really wasn't a process at all I hit up my homie uh, Keys Shout out to him who produced the song and I had just moved to LA. This was like a couple months after I just got here. And one of my regular things that I would do was just like pull up on keys and be like, can I come and record or whatever? Like if he wasn't having to record anybody. So I would drive up to NoHo. I had lived in the Valley and I was just like, let's record. So he turned on the beat and I was just freestyling. I literally freestyle relationship goals, that entire song. And John Hart, I had never met him ever. And he came into the studio for a session with somebody else. And he like met me and then he, I guess, walked in while I was freestyling and said something to Keys like, oh, I want that song. And then like met me and was like, man, we gotta work, da 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 da. And so I finished the song and I guess he asked Keys to send him the song and Keys sent him the song and Keys messaged me like, hey, John said he wants that song. And I'm like, really? Okay, <laughs> well, I have to change a couple things because I was referencing for me as a woman, but I had to, you know, switch it so it could be a guy talking to a girl. And so I ended up writing over the second verse with him in another session, like, you know, just freestyling and be like, do you like this? Do you like that? And that process was really dope. We didn't actually have him record the song until maybe like close to a year later, to be honest with you, which I was very impatient about because I love that song. And it was one of my first experiences with like giving away one of my songs. And so ended up recording it. We went down to one of his studios, vocal produced the song, did some harmonies. I'm like actually on the backgrounds of the song and keys helped vocal produce it as well, mixed it, everything. And it got placed on this album. And yeah, that was my first song that I've ever wrote for somebody that actually got distributed from a large distribution company. So that was pretty dope. And you freestyled it. Like that's such a <laughs> testament to your talent. Like Thank you. you were in there freestyling and he knew immediately that you yeah. wanted that. That was crazy. It was it was random. It was yeah. And then your latest Zymix, Stacy Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Your Zymixes are dope. How do you approach that? What's the thought process like? I'm sure each of them kind of differ, but it's like yeah. when you're like, okay, I want to do a Zymix. What kind of do you brainstorm and go through ideas? Speaking of, I need to do a Zymix Please? soon. It's been a minute. <laughs> My process normally is, I like this song. I want to do a flip of it. For Stacey Adams, that song in particular, of course I love Snoop, and it was a song that I had just kind of refreshed into my musical catalog. I had just recently downloaded like a bunch of uh, Snoop's catalogs 
in my phone and I was just like I want to do this song I always loved this song as a kid let's cover this like this song is funky as fuck like let's do it and me and C. Watts had went to a Battle Cat All-Star show and we were just super inspired when we left the show. And I think when we left the show, it was like 1.30 in the morning and we both had work the next day. And he's just like, let's go to the studio. And I'm like, fuck it, yeah, let's go to the studio. Like, let me get a Red Bull, but let's go to the studio. And we went to the studio and that's the dope thing about all the Zy mixes are all the beats are flipped and recreated by C. Watts. And he flipped and recreated it. Like he has a way of sampling that I've never seen in my life. And he like went through and like pieced this all together. And we were just like freaking tired. But by the end of the night, like, yo, this is dope. And once again, we ended up having our homies play on it, do some live bass on it. And that's how it came about. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Every time you reference your guys' jobs, but still are able to be creative and follow inspiration, that's what we need. Man. We need to know that these two things can exist in one place. They definitely can, yeah. That leads us to the album coming this year. What do you want the people to know about the album? I'm just... It's funny because I've kind of like hinted at it a little bit on my social media, but the album is called Nine, which is significant to me because I have nines all throughout my birthday. And also I always see the numbers 927 all the time and 27 is divisible by nine. So I was just like, let's do nine. So the album is called Nine, nine tracks on the album. And the album is going to be out in September. I'm like cringing saying this because this is my first album like you know I've done EPs I've done mixtapes but this is my first album and it is produced by CYs with instrumentation and co-production from Ben and Matt of Roswell Universe and they have all been working their asses off for this album it's been in the works for maybe about a year and a half now and we're at the tail end of it and it's amazing I am really excited about the features that we have I'm excited about the music it's a very very personable album a lot of the songs when I wrote them I was kind of going through a bit of a depression and just in my own personal life and at that time it was a bit of therapy for me and new for me to kind of just get on the mic and start singing and being like what do I feel right now let me just sing it out or in moments where I would feel something it's a habit now for me to just take out my phone and just write down whatever comes to mind in that moment and that was my first time really doing that process with my own music I before then always was just worried about trying to write a song that I think people would like which is probably why I think when people see the journey that I've had since being here in LA they probably feel like oh my god like you've blossomed since being here because the authenticity has come out in my music since I've been here and that's been something I've been trying to hold myself to and that entire album is very very personal and I'm in love with it it's my baby and I'm at the stage where like I've given birth to it and it's at the stage where like, you know, you got to keep the baby in the house for a minute before you actually like take it out to the world. That's where I'm at right now. And I'm real bougie right now about who could hold my child. So 
you know, I'm literally going through another birthing process with releasing this and it'll be released on the ninth month of this year. So it will, it is like a bit of a pregnancy, (laughs) but yeah, I'm really excited about it. It is near and dear to me. And I really hope that people receive it because it's, it's different and it, channels all the elements of me as an artist and i love that you're keeping it with the home team you guys have built a sound together and it's so good we need more of it was that even a thought or it just happened that was definitely a thought i mean from the start of it i knew that i wanted siwas to produce the whole thing because i wanted it to be cohesive and also i know he's dynamic enough to be able to give me um, that eclectic feel that I needed throughout the album and it still be fun to listen to because I know sometimes when you have somebody that has an album that's produced by the same producer it's like okay I can tell this was produced by the same producer and it's so cohesive that it's kind of here Um, but I knew that he would be able to be dynamic enough to bring it to life and then also us adding the instrumentation it was just easy. I wanted it to feel like a story. And I was also heavily inspired by Solange, A Seat at the Table, and the cohesiveness and simplicity of her album and how emotional and authentic that album was that I really wanted to come at this album with the same approach. I love that so much, guys. Nine in September, market yeah. calendars. The yeah. Is coming. Oh, man. It's on the way. Yes. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell the people? Oh, I'm just really happy to be here. I'm really happy to be interviewing with you. This is like a coming to age type of thing. I feel like for my career in artistry right now. And so I'm just really excited to be sharing this moment with you, with the people that are going to watch this. I would say for anybody who's watching, just check out my social media. Be on the lookout for me to come to your city. If you want me to come to your city, DM me to your local venue, Mm -hmm. your local promoter, as long as they're not janky, Mm -hmm. because I really am trying to go to as many places as possible. And yeah. Yeah, I actually had a conversation yesterday about the importance of the consumer the fans whatever you want to call them yeah and i think a lot of people love the music and they listen to it and they don't understand how it works if you want someone to come to your city yep speak up say it and that's how it happens that's very true and we also talked about like just word of mouth if you like somebody tell your friends they'll probably like it too it's easy and it's beautiful but everybody has to play their part yay thank you so much thank you for having me girl (laughs) and thank you so much for checking out this episode if you enjoyed it make sure that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on and then reach out to me tell me your favorite part just say hi anything like that i'm on twitter at special says and on instagram it's at special says as well as always this episode is dedicated to marlon do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence